0: Oh, it's a good one today. Welcome to another episode of Being at Work. This show really, really resonates with me today. So many leadership takeaways. I was moved to tears as our guest talked about a pivotal moment that drives her passion for her work. Pat Gamblemore is the Senior Vice President of Community Development Banking for PNC. But what you really need to know about her is how she leads with a servant heart. She is not a bystander. She is in the community, doing the work to combat systemic racism. You'll hear how that plays out in her stories. Listen in as she talks about a time when she was volunteering and was compelled to do something based on her experience.
1: I am a banker at heart. Honestly, I started my journey in banking way back when, and as just a management trainee, and um, stayed in banking for many years. Then I had the opportunity to transition and actually work for a nonprofit focused on affordable housing, and then having my own consulting company. And and really, all of those experiences came into play when this role at PNC was created as a market manager, and I was able to use all of my skills and experience to um, in this current role. And it's just been perfect for me.
0: Had the role existed at PNC before you took the position? It had been
1: a role, but not actually in Indiana. So I was the first market manager in Indiana.
0: Awesome. Well, that must have been fun being able to really start and build something.
1: Absolutely. And that's, I mean, that was the key of, of using all of my existing relationships and connections to build a presence and build a brand in Indiana. That was absolutely what, what my first charge was.
0: I love it. You know, so here we are one minute in, and you've already given us an important leadership lesson. This, the combination of your passion and your expertise. I mean, what, you're such a great example of that. I, I hear this passion of community development and your banking expertise. That's, you're so fortunate to have that.
1: It served me very well.
0: It has served you well and no doubt leads to a lot of meaning and fulfillment in your work. I get to, again, bring the power
1: of PNC, this now almost fifth largest bank in the country, but with a very local lens. And so I work very closely with all of our team members across our markets in in public finance in small business lending with our regional president. I mean, all of the, the partners I get access to, to bring to bear when we're trying to solve or, or address a need that a community organization or a nonprofit or a for-profit developer might have. So yes, it's really important that we leverage you know, our assets. And I feel privileged to have access to all of the talent and resources that we have.
0: So you're leading the entire state in lifting up communities. That's my job. I'm so glad it is your job because you're so passionate about it and so good at it. And I know you have some experiences that really drive your passion and the meaning that the work has for you.
1: I know now that I'm a doer. You know, we spend a lot of time writing and pushing paper, but I think I'm happiest when I'm active, when I really feel like I'm contributing and. Um, I do a, a fair amount of board service and um, not just try to be a, I try to be an active board member where I can. And um, that has led me and and shaped my perspective, shaped my, I mean, I try to be a very humble person because I've just seen life happen to people and um, just have great respect for the resiliency of the human spirit through all of my work. I think that's what this has taught
0: me. Yeah, you're certainly not a bystander. You you want to be directly impacting change, and I know there are some specific situations that have that have really driven that. T- talk about those.
1: So I served as a board member for a while with the Horizon House, and that is, you know, located just west of downtown. Um, it's a day service for people who are homeless and they provide, you know, showers and laundry and a meal and services and healthcare and just wraparound services for the homeless. So as um, a board member, we had to, you know, to to get to the board meeting, we had to walk through the day room and the day room was where, you know, the people came in the morning. And I realized that we kind of walked and we tried not to look, right? We looked straightforward. So we didn't have to necessarily, you know, maybe it was that I didn't want to see the pain, right? I just kind of focused, let me get in this meeting. And so one time they, you know, suggested, you know, as a board member, if you really want to understand, you can volunteer. So I obviously, one time I helped serve meals, but there was a time when I volunteered to work at the front desk and they're funded by various funders and government. And so they have to ask you a series of questions to determine your eligibility for service. So I sat down with um, the receptionist and you know we're doing the intake. And one of the questions they have to ask to determine your eligibility is, where did you sleep last night? And that was just a question. I guess I never had to think about in in my life. And the stories that I heard, person after person, I slept in my car. I slept in the park. I slept on my friend's couch. Was after a while. I mean, I sat there for a few hours, and it was just one of those moments where I was visibly kind of shaken when I left. Like. Tears just kind of welling up in my eyes. Like I, I, am not naive. I've seen a lot of this, but there was something in that moment. You know, I said to myself, "You've got to keep doing this work, and you've got to do it with meaning and with passion and with a sense of sincerity." Because there, but for the grace of God, could be you know, go I right? Um, that could be me. That could be my family. That could be people we know. And and when you walk in that room and you see black and brown and and all sorts of demographics of of people that, for one reason or another, are homeless. And it's just, I I saw the stories of people who were gainfully employed, professors, engineers, you name it, people from all walks of life who... By circumstance, things happen. They may have ended up, you know, maybe with some addictions that maybe ultimately led to homelessness. They lose their families. And you look at that and you realize, you know, you you just can't look down or make assumptions about anybody and why they are where they are. You just hope that we're trying to address the issues, right? Trying to, it's really not about the band-aid. I think what this community and this industry is now trying to do is what are the root causes and how can we help address those root causes, right? Rather than just fixing the symptom of, you know, here's a room for the night. No, let's try to figure out long-term solutions for people. So.
0: Well, and that's really where your work comes in, in the community development that you're doing, right? You're helping to build systems and infrastructure and a foundation for, for people to stand on.
1: We hope that's what we try to support, right? We try to support long term sustainable change. And do that within the, you know, within our guidelines. We can't boil the ocean, but we do what we do and we try to do it with intentionality and and purpose.
0: And there's something really important in there's a great leadership lesson in what you're describing because... So you're creating long-term sustainable change. But, you know, and and your drive to support that comes from experiences like this one at Horizon House that you just described. And I loved how you talked about the board members walking through. I mean, I can just picture that. And that nobody really wanted to look around them. (laughs) Nobody wanted to peer into the eyes of the people there. I mean, isn't that just... I mean, I know there's so many times as a, as a leader myself, like I haven't had the courage to step into the pain or to look into someone's eyes because it hurt too bad. Like I, it's easier to stay comfortable in our little worlds and pretend like everything's okay.
1: Yes, and you can, you know, in some ways, you can feel good about yourself, like oh, I'm here, I'm this board member, I'm I'm going to fix the problem, and uh, you know, but but without really understanding. And I think it takes that kind of compassion. And so when I was, now I'm on the board of Second Helpings and my first experience, I mean, they want you to live it. And so I got in the car with one of the drivers and we delivered meals. We delivered meals to the homeless shelter. We delivered meals to a domestic violence shelter, to a daycare, to a church. I mean, we delivered healthy, nutritious meals for the homeless folks to eat. And that was like my moment, like, I need, I I love this. I love this. I would rather do that than be on the board. And, you know, I came back and actually stirred the pots of food that were being cooked and helped package the meals that were going out. And I could have done that all day. And and I realized I'm just a real doer. I get excited about that kind of volunteerism. I love being a board member too, but but I actually, actually like to volunteer as well.
0: Well, and you know what? The other thing I love about this is you're an executive. You are a senior. I mean, you're a senior, senior vice president for a huge corporation. But listen to what gives you meaning. It's like getting in there and doing the work and serving. Yeah, that's where meaning and connection comes from.
1: Yeah, I don't know that you can really do it as well. I've learned that you can you can be at the administrative and and sit behind and make decisions about the organization, but you know, living it and being in there with the people that are being served with the staff that are doing the work and you can listen and you can understand. And that's how we kind of shape how am I going to contribute? How am I going to add value to this organization? You know, and so I I try to do that with every, with every board
0: that I'm on. Clearly we hear that. We hear that in your story. Yeah. Let's go back. So I want to talk more specifically about the community development work you're doing and how you're lifting up communities. I'm really curious about that. But I want to stay on this uh, this moment at the Horizon House for just a minute because there's something else I hear in that. So I heard as you were describing how you felt, you know, listening to people answer that question. Oh, And I, I got tears in my eyes when you said it. They're coming back now just being asked, like, where did you sleep last night? Just how I take my cozy bed for granted <laughs> my home for granted, but you we were describing like a myriad of emotions that you felt no doubt you felt sadness you felt compassion you felt a drive to do something but the courage that it took to do that like that's not I, I just want to acknowledge that and call that out that's so again that's having the courage and the conviction to look at the pain, to look at the struggle, to step into it, to experience it. I mean, you were sitting at the front desk. I mean, that's where it all went down.
1: But you know what was more compelling was the person that does that every single day. And and that's also what I walked away with. And I said to myself, you know, I know what I'm good at. And I know, I don't know. And I'm sure I, I don't know if I have the emotional fortitude to be able to do this day in and day out and look at these faces. And I had such respect and adoration as I do with all the, you know, organizations I'm involved with, with the people that are on the front line that in some ways risk their lives every day to take care of others. That was me, but my, my little experience was four hours. I mean, you're talking about someone who gets up every day and hears story after story and they're called to do that. So that's who I was impressed with. My little contribution was, (laughs) was really nothing. Um, And, and that's why, again, I try to support those organizations that are on the ground doing that work.
0: Well, and creating a space, I mean, no doubt it had to be a safe space because that's that is a tough thing to be asked. You know, I suspect that there's shame in that for people and disappointment and sadness.
1: Oh, absolutely. And even now, with Covid, I think about aboard New Hope of Indiana that we we serve people with disabilities, and we have, direct service providers who take care of people in their homes. Or we have group homes and we go see people in their in their own homes. But we manage, I mean, these direct service providers go in every day to take care of these people. They handle all their, you know, the healthcare needs and they try to just take care of them and give them a quality of life and help them live their best lives. You know, with COVID and outbreaks that we had and how we had those workers that would still go in and still serve even under the, the worst of circumstances. And we talk about that all the time. Like that's who we're here for. That's who we need to to fight for and advocate. Not just our the clients we serve, but our direct service providers, making sure that they have a good salary, good benefits. You know, we try to reward them when we can, because that's who's really important in this and we could we couldn't do it without them. And so I always think of myself I'm pretty small in this scenario. It's the people that are doing the work.
0: Yeah, I love those questions. Like that's for me that's like that's the responsibility of leadership to recognize like who am I here for? Who am I fighting for? Absolutely. That's so good. Well, thank you for sharing that story. There's so many leadership nuggets there that we can take away. So that drives you to do the work that you do every day in communities. Lifting up communities is the way that you've you've talked about it, lifting up low-income communities. And I also know that you're really passionate about communities on the cusp, like preventing. So talk about the work you do and how that plays out.
1: Yes. And trying to dig more in, into that too, as we talk about neighborhoods that are on that cusp of they may be gentrifying or they may be worse than they may go into to, to decline. And, and what's that balance? But our work really is trying to connect the dots and cr- trying to provide not just the financial support, but also the thought partner leadership, right? Like how can we be of value? How can we add value to the work that you're doing? How can we help communities from a broad, you know, lens? So, you know, there's so many things. There's food instability, there's food deserts, there's homelessness, there's addiction, there's people who work every day but not but but still can't make a have a quality of life because they don't make enough. I mean the challenges are just unending and you can get yourself really worked up, I try to take it one day at a time and just get up and say, what can I do to make things better in my little space and with my few resources, with with my experience, with my understanding, what can I do? It's just a very personal question for me because it takes so many people to try to solve these issues. But I have seen organizations like our community centers that are trying to, to help folks get to people where they are and not, it used to be the bandaid approach. You need rental assistance. You come in, we give you rental assistance. You come back next month, we give you some more. And there's been this just change of, maybe that's not the way to do it. Maybe we need to understand what's at the root cause. Is it education? Is it job? Is it making sure they have all the right access to, you know, support services? And so that's been the change, I think, in thinking in the industry. And that's how we're all approaching this work. And when I am evaluating requests for, for funding or whatever, I, that's kind of the lens that I come through is what are we trying to address the root causes for systemic change?
0: Because when you do that, you empower change. I mean, changes, changes. Is- is now available because you've gotten to what's really going on. So it sounds like you partner with a lot of different organizations that are serving in different ways. Oh,
1: gosh, yes. Just so many good people, good organizations, all the way from two people to 500 people organizations, right? Like, it takes everybody. It takes everybody to do this work. And so I try to also recognize that sometimes as funders, we want Organizations to have all the bells and whistles and they have this good board and they have this large staff and they have all these resources. But honestly, there's organizations that are this one person that just decided to make a change and they're trying to do the best they can. So the question is, how can I support them? How can I grow their capacity? So capacity building is really important for me because I know there's some organizations, especially those that are working in communities of color where they don't have all of the resources. They may not have all of the connectivity and leverage those relationships. So how do we build that capital for them? You know, that social capital as we talk about.
0: Well, and, and you talked about the challenges being so many and that it sounds like you're prioritizing based on those that are really getting at their root cause that are really empowering change what what other ways are you determining where to focus cuz over and over you've talked about you know you lead with a servant heart like what can i do so what are some of the things that help you focus your efforts since there's so much opportunity
1: you know our work is grounded in something called the community reinvestment act and that was a regulation instituted about 30 years ago which required banks and to, to take a look at how they were doing business and making sure that they were investing and in creating access for all of their customers, not just high or middle income neighborhoods, but those in all neighborhoods where they have a presence. And so that's what we try to do. So we are the bank's eyes and ears to make sure, kind of like that filter test? Are we doing the right thing in our neighborhoods? Are we creating financial access, reasonable financial access? Are we um, supporting housing, economic development? So there's just so many filters. And so we try to be a little more methodical because honestly, we have a limited pool of resources, right? Like I said, we can't boil the ocean. But I try to step back and say, you know, have, have I addressed housing? Have I addressed food insecurity? Have I addressed people that have been, you know, incarcerated in that population of people? And when I step back and, and think about trying to be fair and equitable also across our markets, going all the way up to Lake County, down to Columbus, is, are we being equitable in a myriad of ways? So it's all about, it is about equity, but equity takes form in, in a lot of different ways.
0: Yeah, that's good. So there's some good leadership lessons in that. I have felt at times as a leader, like, Oh my gosh, the need is so great. I don't know where to start. And so you, you go back to the regulation that you're leading under. So the Community Reinvestment Act, and then you have some filters that you're filtering your choices through. So it's grounded in like, Okay, what's my mission? And how do I support these different needs? So it's, there's also there's an equity in that you want to be fair across each of those services.
1: Absolutely. Again, equity comes into play in a lot of different ways, but definitely trying to make sure that. And again, it's so hard because you can't address every single need. But I do feel particularly important to build capacity to give organizations, help give them the tools they need to do the work
0: you're equipping them to scale, to grow. Yeah, that's great. It, this, is, this is so good because the perception might be, oh, it's, you know, it's a large banking institution. Like they're probably just throwing dollars at it. No, you're not. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my
1: goodness. You know, our our mantra is it's easy to give away money. It's hard to give away money responsibly.
0: That's good. It's hard to give away money responsibly. So you're so thoughtful about it. All these filters that you talked about
1: we have to be good stewards of these resources. We have to, you know, and yeah, we do have to jump through some hoops to, to ask the right questions. And, but with that, you know, there's a lot of lessons. I remember when this year COVID just totally changed how we were looking at that. And, you know, we're used to being programmatic lenders, like, you know, here's money for a program. And we overlooked that a program is people and that people do the work. And so you have to invest in human capital in an organization and the operations of an organization for them to continue to do the work. And so we had to pivot as funders, funders pivoted and said, in this environment, let's not worry about programs. Let's keep these organizations afloat and let's keep them doing the work they need to do. And so we switched to being more operating support and less on the programmatic support because that's what we need to do.
0: You like every other organization, you're pivoting to, to meet the need.
1: Absolutely.
0: What a, What about success stories? Are there specific situations, communities, even particular aspects of a community. I'd, I'd love to hear a couple of success stories. Like what the fruits of all this hard work
1: every day is a success story in a way, right? Do you mean like specific organizations or personally or you know just anything that comes up for you? Like an example of how how it's all working. Well, and like I said COVID has just totally turned us all on our heads and I mentioned pace a while ago they are an organization that serve people who are coming out of the of incarceration starting over rebuilding every single aspect of their lives and paces there we saw more people coming out of the prison systems lately and their demand grew exponentially while they then had to almost try to shutter their doors because of covid so what do we do and they said you know if we had some ipads some computers, a new conference room, to be able to provide some teleservices to folks that can't come in. I said, tell me more about that. Let's talk about that. And so we provided that grant to build out the support for them to continue to do the work, do it remotely when it needed to be. And then we were there because we provide financial education and we couldn't go there. And so we said, you know, let's do it remote. And we've been doing that every week. Um, and that's caused us to actually be able to do a lot more financial education. Honestly, when we think about being able to do it remotely rather than having to drive two hours to Fort Wayne, right? So if I'm looking for a bright lining in anything and anything of COVID, that, that was one of them. But so I think it's always a success when you can meet a need and you can be responsive. In the moment, like they needed it now. They needed it right now. And we were there. And that's, that's what's important. We don't get caught up in a lot of bureaucracy. We are empowered as market leaders to understand that need. That's our job is to understand need, meet unmet community needs. And so getting out, listening, listening, talking, talking. But again, trying to be proactive and trying to, to meet needs where they are when they happen.
0: That's a great example. Thank you so much for sharing that. I hear in that example, that partnership with PACE. I mean, what a good, great example of using your combined strengths to really meet, meet the, the need right now, as you said. And it seems like it's been like that every day for the last nine months. But you know what I love about that? I mean, what a great, because I ask that question a lot, you know, tell me about a success story and that you said every day is a success story in some way. I love like there's like an expectancy in that. That is like trusting the fruit, isn't it? (laughs) It's like I'm putting in the work and I know good things are happening. Like there's, I love just being expectant around that.
1: But I also think, you know, community development in itself takes a long time. Sometimes it's a long time investing in a community before you see that trajectory turn. So you have to be patient within that as well, right? But And it takes a lot of partners and a lot of investment years to see the fruit of your labor. So combined with meeting immediate needs, there's also that need to be patient and know that everything doesn't happen at once and help. You know, we've learned to be you know, organizations may have an idea, they want to try something. And I think I love the ability that we can say, okay, let's, let's try that. Let's see if it works. You know, if it doesn't work, okay, that's fine. We'll, we'll massage it. We may do it a little bit differently. And they said, well, we learned this, we learned that this didn't work. We'd like to try it again. So it's, it's great to be able to have that flexibility to, to partner with people in that way.
0: Yeah, that's good. I do hear a lot of flexibility in that. You're fortunate in that. Well, there's this, you know, you started with how this is, you're so fortunate to have this combination of passion and expertise. And it's, it's been so fun listening to you over the last half hour to see how all that plays out. Because now we've come full circle. You're right, you're right back to, this is why you're so passionate about your work. Because you're in it, you're in it every day. Well,
1: thank you for the opportunity to to talk and I do get excited about it. I do get passionate about, about my work and I do feel very blessed to be able to do it. And, And thank you so much for creating this venue and this opportunity to share.
0: Oh my gosh, Pat. Thank you. Yeah. I'm walking away. Just one of my big takeaways is having the courage to look someone in the eyes, to see the pain and to be in that with them as a driver for what can I do with within my span of influence? How can I support this need that I see? So thank you for that reminder. What an important leadership reminder that we can all relate to. If our listeners want to connect with you, Pat, what's the best way to do that?
1: I am on LinkedIn, Patricia Gamble hyphen more.
0: And one more thing, just thank you so much for the work that you're doing, you know, particularly at a time when there's there's a lot of energy and awareness around racial inequity. Um, I have learned so much as a as a white leader over the last year. just I am so grateful that conversations are happening today that I've never been privy to. and so that that says something. That's at least an opening. I know we have so much work to do. I'm not naive to that. I personally have a lot of work to do. And that's on me to continue to do that. Thank you for the work that you're doing to directly combat racism in these communities.
1: And thank you for being an ally. We need them.
0: Absolutely. We're in this together, aren't we? Absolutely. And we're all better for it. Thank you, Pat. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story.